Hello, hello. Welcome, everybody. This is One Day Closer with Mark and Dave on a Thanksgiving week. We have scheduled a, a special edition today for uh, to bring a little hope. And then on Friday, we're not going to have a show because we think you should just all uh, spend some time with your family, uh, maybe watch a football game and uh, take care of each other. And remember that God's in control and that we're going to be moving right along no matter what happens, whether it's uh, good things that come or whether it's bad things that come. Jesus is still our hope. That's right. That's right. That's right, man. That is it. Hey, David. Uh, wrote an interesting piece from uh, seven, eight years ago, back when, uh, before Trump, this was Obama, there was ISIS, was uh, were on the beaches killing people, and they were putting it on TV, and the debt was out of control. That's when big spending really started to get out of control. There was just a lot of craziness going on. So he wrote this article, and it's amazing how today it still applies. It's just that today's situation seems to be worse. (laughs) Yeah, it just seems to be getting the core root of, you know, evil. Yeah, evil. Or or just the problem uh, seems to fester, just has new connection points. Yep, and there's people in the world that are feeding the evil, and that's why it's worse. And they haven't changed either, maybe by name. Right. But not by mission. Yep. Which is just totally weird. Yeah. Anyway, so this uh, this article was written, like Mark said, in uh, January of 2016. So, right? so that's, that's almost eight years. Yeah, almost eight years ago. And it's called, What Are We Fighting For? So here we go. Today, across the globe, in every nation, big or small, in every major metropolis, and in every shantytown, village, in between, men, women, and children of every race and religion... From the age of almost born to almost done, are fighting for something. Here in America, millions are fighting to simply make ends meet for for another month. They struggle to find a job, and they fight to keep their job. Parents wrestle to raise their kids right, while their children struggle both to fit in and to figure out a way to stand out at the same time. They suffer much abuse at the hands of bullies, Mm -hmm. cliques, and peer pressure. Our college students, they fight to be heard. <laughs> That's relevant today. Yeah. They fight for causes that they don't fully understand. Totally. Hello. <laughs> Hello. All struggling to find an identity that works for them. Mm-hmm. Big corporations battle against their competitors. They fight for more market share, and the internal corporate quest for position and power never seems to rest. Abroad, regardless of nationality, dialect, um, religious affiliation, or economic status, the same struggles exist. The disenfranchised seek justice, retribution, or have already given up the fight. Single mothers wrestle every day with fear of the unknown, fear of their children, and fight to find something to put in their children's bellies. Yeah. still happens to Today. It's even harder today with inflation. Yeah. Needless to say, there's a whole lot of fighting going on, right? Yeah. I mean, it's today, 2023, with all the the war, the war, wars going right. on. And there's um, more infighting within the families as well because of all the discord and the division that's being sowed. Try to have a, a, a conversation with your college kid. 
Oh, goodness. <laughs> it, it, you know. It and, gets and really bad It then. would be terrible. Yes. I remember how it was back in 2012 with, and before that mm-hmm. with my kids when they graduated. You know, going, I'm going to have to spend a year deprogramming them. Uh, and we, that was before all the, the crazy woke right. stuff. We were feeling that even from high school, how they were getting programmed yeah. with all kinds of nonsense. Yeah. So they say it is vitally important to first define and name a problem or an enemy before you can ever hope to address it, right? And that's kind of a, a, a known thing, nice. which is why I asked the question in this article, what are we fighting for? The intent of this article back in the day, Mark, wasn't to serve, uh, wasn't to answer that question actually, but it was to serve as a spiritual rally cry, to stir the battle-weary, faithful, to pause for a minute and re-examine a host of questions. Mm-hmm. In this context, I asked the question again, so what are we fighting for? Right? Are we fighting for our soul, our children, our faith, our nation? Are we fighting for our communities, our liberties, uh, the disenchanted? Or are we fighting to understand our gifts? Certainly, these are all things worth fighting for. Yeah. Uh, an equally important question, I think, is where will the battle be fought? Right? So the location, the environment, its surroundings— and its resources, or basically the lack thereof, lack of resources, will greatly influence what will be necessary, mandatory, and critical to win the day. Will the battle be fought at the workplace, in our homes, <laughs> with our kids, uh, in our heads, or is the battle in our heart? I know the answer. Yes, 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 and yes. There you go. Good job. (laughs) Regardless of the nature or location of the battle, great or small, the following simple statement prevails. The victor wins the battle. Mm -hmm. The one whose resolve is most resolute wins the day. There will be an overcomer, and it follows that there will be an overtaken. That's a fact. Right? With this simple truth revealed, It seems to make perfect sense that if we desire to win the battle, whatever it is, we need to make sure that we send in the right guy or the right gal to get the job done. So who we send into battle is critical, as is the when do we dispatch them. And if you send in the right guy too soon, doesn't matter, it was too soon. Okay. And if you send in the wrong guy too early, well, that, that speaks for itself. Right. (laughs) You know, so in the movie, I've told you this before, in the movie Braveheart, directed and starring Mel Gibson. Yeah. There's a scene of noble exchange between Sir William Wallace, which is played by Mel Gibson, and Robert the Bruce. In an attempt to rally the support of Robert the Bruce to the cause of freedom, Mm -hmm. Wallace faces Bruce and says, your title gives you claim to the throne of our country, but men... Don't follow titles. Yeah, I love that line. They follow courage. Right. I mean, that's it, right? So just because our government tells us something, you have to earn our respect. Show some backbone, some spine. Show some courage. Show the fact that you get it Yeah. before you ask us to get behind you. Right. Right? But courage is the ability to do something that you know is difficult and probably very dangerous, right? So there's a lot of synonyms that goes with courage, like 
metal or having the spirit and the resolution and tenacity and things like that. But it sounds like we might be getting a little closer in defining who we want to send into battle. Maybe somebody that has a little backbone, some courage, some understanding, some that, uh, evidence that they've spent time with God, for crying out loud. That'd be a nice, you know, fundamental thing to have in your toolbox. Yes. Right? Instead of a mindless ding-dong. Like our new so, speaker of the house. Yeah. So let's go a bit further, right? <laughs> so courage implies firmness of mind and will. Okay? In the face of danger. Not, not I'm, I'm pretty convinced when there's nothing going on. All you're doing is filibusting. You're just talking schmack. You're not under danger. There's nothing going on in your life. Yeah. You got no risk in the game. But courage implies firmness and mind a firmness of mind and will in the face of danger or extreme difficulty. Right. Right? The spirit, to have a spirit, right, suggests a quality of temperament enabling one to hold on to one's own and keep one's moral when opposed or threatened. Right? Mm. So when you see protesters, we'll talk about that a little bit, uh, his spirit was unbroken by setback and, and defeat. He didn't give up. His spirit just didn't know any better. It just kept on. It's like the ever-ready battery. Just keep on going. Right. Despite. So resolution. Having a firm determination to achieve one's end. Tenacity adds to resolution with implications of stubborn, I love this, stubborn persistence and unwillingness to be deterred not easily stopped or pulled apart. Now, to be in that place, you have to be able to win the argument on every front, northeast, west, south. Yeah. You have to understand the other person's point of view, right? And you have to be able to converse through the stupidity, right? I mean, so when they ask you, oh, you're a racist, <laughs> you have to be able to go, okay, right. Why don't you tell me why? Why? Yeah. Why am I? Yeah, yeah. And why aren't you? Examples, please. Examples, please. Right? <laughs> um, valor, simply defined, is that possessing courage or bravery. Right? Got to have it. The strength of mind or spirit that enables a person to encounter danger with firmness is considered personal bravery. The true mark of valor, I love this, the true mark of valor is the absence of indecision even in the face of death. Hmm. I like that. Ooh. I mean, just... Just like George Wallace. You have to know. Yeah. Right? You, you can't be... You can't, you can't second-guess yourself. Right. And be brave. Yes. Oh. Uh, and, and win the fight. Right. Right? You've got to know why you believe the way you do. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, just off note, the... The argument today about, you know, all the terrorist organizations and the proxies of Iran and the, the battle against Israel, mm-hmm. they, are, they are determined. They're not questioning what oh. they're doing. Oh, yeah. They, they're, they're, they are convinced. And yet we're sitting here going, well, I'm not, I'm not too sure. Maybe we should give a pause. Maybe, right? So there is no... We have indecision in the discussion, which then puts you on the defensive, which puts Israel on the, on the hot seat. 
Right. And you you don't win that way. Right. And, and I mean, if we just think about it from that perspective, you just don't win that way. And the people that you're contesting, right, or that are against you, mm-hmm. uh, they're they're winning because their heads on square as far as determined. Yeah, yeah. They're determined. They're, they may be wrong. Their mission is well defined, and they're executing it. Yes. And we're we're kind of wishy washy going, well, maybe if we just understand how those terrorists grew up in such a bad family, then then we can have sympathy on them, and, and it's okay if they fly airplanes into our buildings. Yeah, maybe we can help them. <laughs> maybe we can, yeah. Yeah, yeah. right. Um, <laughs> so I asked the question in the article, why is any of this important, understanding everything we've talked about? Um, why, why are you spending so much time stating the obvious, Dave, that, that that we're all fighting something. Duh. Uh, why is it important to name the enemy and define the battlefield? Duh. Uh, why are these attributes of character and the warrior's mindset, why are they important to me? Right? Well, you want to know the simple answer? Here's a simple answer. Because you, you, the people listening, we, you, are the warrior that you seek in these battles. You're the one that has to stand against the enemy and fight for your kids. Mm-hmm. Not Mark and I. Mm-hmm. You are the one that will need the courage and the strength to stand resolute in your understanding of God's promises. When the you-know-what <laughs> hits, the, hits fan. the fan, right? <laughs> and most importantly, for you to succeed, for you to come out on the other side as the victor, you've got to have a rock-solid, deep understanding and belief in God's promises. Otherwise, you're just a lost... Oh, absolutely. You're just swinging in the dark, right? Right. An unwavering revelation about how does God see you? Not not how do you see God? Yeah. It's important that you need to understand what God says about you. We all need a deeper, richer, more empowering understanding of just who we are in Christ. Absolutely. If you knew who you were in Christ, You'd be victorious in everything in your life. Exactly, exactly. Right? So there's a guy. Remember, we've talked about this guy before. Paul Tripp, Paul David Tripp authored a a book called Dangerous Callings, and he offered a very interesting perspective on identity. According to Tripp, here's he says, quote, unquote, no one is more influential in your life than you are. Of course. Because no one talks to you more than you do. (laughs) You know, we're always talking to ourselves in our head. I do. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. Uh, whether you realize it or not, you are in an unending conversation with yourself. Yeah. And the things you say to you about you are formative of the ways in which you live. Quote, unquote. Uh, this being true, the main battlefield, the ground zero, if you will, the very front line of the battle, which is constantly churning, pounding, and haunting our thoughts, occurs in the war-torn landscape between our heads and our heart. That's it. Mm-hmm. All these little voices, all these little, ah, I should do this, I should do that, I, I should be a better Christian, I should apologize. Oh, hell no. I mean, I mean that, that's what's going on, right? Um, it is here that we need to ensure our defenses are our strengths, right? we got to have a strong wall. That's right. We, we've got to be able to say, oh, no, no, no. That thought came from the devil. I know the difference. You're not putting money on a guilt trip. 
Absolutely. I'm convinced I know what I'm talking about. I'm convinced that I understand the Word of God. I'm convinced that I've read enough scriptures. I've counterbalanced all of the ones that people throw at us that say, well, you should be more loving and kind. And turn the cheek. Turn your cheek. And I'm going to say, bend over. Okay. Um, it is here that we do not waver in our resolve. And it's here that we must build an impenetrable foundation and understanding of God's promises to the faithful. Maturity is about how you live your life, okay? Um, Tripp goes on to make a, one more point. It, 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 quote, unquote, it is, it is possible to be theologically astute and be very immature. Absolutely. Oh, sir. And he says, likewise, quote, it is possible to be biblically literate and be in need of significant spiritual growth. Absolutely. End quote. Right, so maybe you know Th- those are the kind of people who've who've read the Bible, but they don't internalize it. They don't they don't live it. They don't take it on as part of themselves. They yes. don't believe it. Yeah, they don't believe it. Right, in a sense, they just don't believe it. They yeah. read it and they go, "Oh, that's nice," but yeah, if that's true, then your behavior is going to change when you know how God sees you, like you were saying. Yeah, and it's kind of so. So in closing this this article that I wrote, what, eight years ago, it, it was entitled, What Are We Fighting For? And it was just to kind of point out that there's a whole lot of things going on. There's a lot of noise. There's a lot of relevant noise. There's a lot of irrelevant noise. Right. And you have to choose these battles with your kids and with your employers and with yourself, uh, with your spouse, and you have to pick a side. But at the end of the day, maybe the better question, instead of what are we fighting for, Maybe the better question would have been, who are we living for and why? Yeah, that's a better question. You know? Yeah. Who are we living for? I'm living for my kids. I'm right. living for myself. Really? Okay. Well, I'm living for Christ, I, I think. I'm trying. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm probably failing on so many fronts. But at least I have the um, insight, the foresight, the will to want to attempt to even claim that I've acknowledged that I'd love to live for Christ. Yeah. Instead yeah. of just being a moron. And and you've gotten past, uh, I'm going to live for the next mansion, or I'm going to live for the next car. I can't wait till hunting season. The next job. or Yeah, the, right. The hunting season, yeah. Or I'm going to... I'm going to live for the next trinket in my collection. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> you know, that's exactly right. So many people are living for those material things yeah. when they're not even looking at family, and they need to, and they need to look at God. That's exactly living right. Living for God, living for family, living for nation, and then those material things are just, you know, stuff that's going to burn. <laughs> well, it, it's funny that, so that's the end of the article, but, I mean, what's what I uh, I thought would be a good exercise, you know, Back then, eight years ago, I was kind of thinking about the college kids that just were confused. I don't remember, actually, what was happening eight years ago, about what they were confused about, or what was going on, but they were obviously confused. And maybe it was just the whole... Uh, pronouns and, and that kind of stuff. I don't... Pronouns weren't happening back then. Really? What was it? They were just going crazy. You know, that we were called the deplorables. Yes. And so when, you know, Hillary lost... Right. They all were just, ah, my life is over. I mean, I, so I'd have to actually go back and look into the archives of the darkness of my mind. And I really don't want to go there because <laughs> I don't want to get sick before Thanksgiving. Um, but you look around today, forget what was happening eight years ago. Today, our college students, not yeah. all, but 
a majority of the major institutions have twisted the mind and polluted the mind. Yeah. They've uh, it's gone viral. Yeah. It's not polluted actually. They've poisoned. That's what it is. It's almost criminal. Yes. What our higher education has done. You know that one professor that was saying, I was so energized and oh. ecstatic. Yeah, by the massacre. Exhilarated by the massacre. It's like he should have been hauled away. Right. And you Fired. know, kind of given a white jacket with chains. Yeah. And had some electric shock therapy <laughs> done to analyze where did that come from? Well, we know where it came from. Mm-hmm. It came from the pit of hell. Right. And yet he gets paid a salary. Yeah. And we and our, and we, not me and you, our kids are done with that. But parents today send their kids to these schools and think it's kind of like adult daycare. Absolutely. You send your kid to college, you know you got a four-year reprieve from stupid crap in your house. They're, they're over there. <laughs> uh, but you're not paying any attention. Yeah. It's kind of like putting your you know, five-year-old in the backyard with the lawnmower, the gas can, all the other stuff. But, you know, it's a backyard. How can they hurt? It's fenced. How can they hurt themselves? Seriously. Right. And then you go in and you watch, you know, you get your bonbons out and you watch Oprah. You're not paying attention. Until the screams. <laughs> Until the back of the house catches on fire or something, right? And you go, what in the world? I mean, you have to keep your eye on these kids. Yeah, yeah. And I you have to caught our bushes on fire. Yeah, there you go. Um, <laughs> it didn't go well. No, it didn't go well. But we have to keep an eye on, on not just our kids and what they're learning at colleges. You know, like well, today, you go, where did they get all the Palestinian flags? Seriously. I mean, that is a serious, honest to goodness, not a joke kind of a question. Right. They came out of nowhere, dude. Right. Nowhere. And all the scarves that they're wearing, the protesters are wearing, where did, this, where did all those come from? I have no clue. But I don't know where they came from. But we need to stop and go, well, stop, look, and listen, and go, yeah, what yeah, is, what, yeah. What, what's happening? We have to raise our children with a foundation before they go into these pits where they learn this kind of crap. We have to teach them how to think objectively and think critically about what they're being told, what they're being shown on TV, so that they would even ask these questions like, wait a minute, all those flags look like they're brand new. They're the same size. Who who got the uh, pallet of flags and pass those out and how they get distributed in across the globe yeah and where'd all these people come from all of a sudden yeah who who, who sent out the memo that there was going to be a rally Pick up your flags at the corner of first and second yeah things are going on and we have to teach our kids to think about what they see so too many of us just go oh that's terrible and we don't think about it Wait. I, th- I think i think a lot of people see all the things that are going on in the news and they literally don't make that connection. I just don't think they do. I, I agree. Think they go, oh my God, there's a problem over in uh, D.C. I agree. The D.N.C. is under attack. I wonder what that's all about. And they see all the flags and they change the channel. Okay. Uh, I'm just, uh, yeah. you, you ready to watch uh, Antique Rojo? Right. Uh, yeah, let me make some corn. And they just they just move on. And the ones that sit around and do ponder that I don't think they make the connection that, wow, I just saw five screens, Australia, UK, New York, 
California, Chicago, and it's all it's like if you took off the mm-hmm. the byline of where that shot is, you go, boy, there's a lot of protesting going on. You think it was just all the same mob from the same place. You don't realize, wow, that's that's across the globe. And they all would, look the same. And you would think that the Palestinians have an argument when they don't. Israel is defending itself from a massacre, from yeah. a bunch of terrorists, but they yeah. don't seem to mention all that. They yeah. don't. I haven't heard in the media once about the fourteen hundred people that were massacred, mostly women and children. No, in all these little villages along the border. Right. How you don't hear about that? All you hear about is the screaming that uh, some that civilians Israel's being this, uh, you know. The civilians got killed because yeah. uh, they were using them as human shields beneath the schools and hospitals. Well, you remember I, we talked about that. We, the reason we needed to record the very first show on Israel, which was, what, five weeks ago now? Uh, we did like seven shows on, on this whole thing. Right. And we jumped on it straight away. And I said, it's important that we capture it beforehand, right. before we were scheduled to record, because we'll forget what happened on the 7th, because the news story will change and if we don't capture it record it while it's fresh yes. we'll forget about the 1400 that got massacred and how that happened and when that happened and what in the world and that is exactly what happened with the media all of a sudden they forgot about all those pictures that hamas themselves were putting out on the internet about all of their crimes against humanity and the terror that they were invoking on israel right the, that lasted maybe two days and then all of a sudden they never talk about it again, and they're making Israel out to be the bad guy. Yeah. Instead of the righteous ones who are actually trying to uh, conquer evil. That's exactly right. So you had a verse you wanted to share. I have a, a, a nice little verse here in Psalm 33 because it talks about how God is in control of things, no matter what. Um, let me read some of this, just a few excerpts. Uh, go, go read the whole thing, though. It's really good. Here's uh, Psalm 33, 6. By the word of the Lord, the heavens were made, and by the breath of his mouth, all all their hosts. He made everything, right? Verse 8. Let all the earth fear the Lord. Why? Because he made everything, all yeah, right? You didn't do it. He's in charge. <laughs> right. Uh, Let all the inhabitants of the world stand in awe of him, as we should. Amen. For he spoke, and it was done. By the word. He just spoke and it was done. Love that. He commanded and it stood fast. The Lord nullifies the council of the nations. Mm. The United Nations. Yes. <laughs> the Lord can nullify their plans. He frustrates the plans of people, of evil people. The council of the Lord stands forever. The plans of his heart are planned from generation to generation. Hmm. Verse 13, The Lord looks from heaven. He sees all the sons of men and the women. From his dwelling place, he looks out on all the inhabitants of the earth. He who fashions the hearts of all of them. Hmm. God has fashioned the hearts of every one of us. I find that amazing. And he understands all of their works. The king is not saved by a mighty army, because he's the Lord, right? A warrior is not delivered by great strength. Interesting. Hmm. 
A horse is a false hope for victory. Or you can say a tank or a guided missile is a false hope for victory. Nor does it deliver anyone by its great strength. Why is it a false hope? It's because God is in charge of all these things. That's what this is all about. God is in charge. We can't forget that. Verse 18, Behold, the eye of the Lord is on those who fear him. He's on those who hope for his loving kindness. He delivers their soul from death, and he keeps them alive in famine. Hmm. Let that be a reminder when times get tough. Our soul waits for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. For our heart rejoices in him because we trust in his holy name. Let your loving kindness, O Lord, be upon us, according as we have hoped in you. Amen. That's good. Isn't that good stuff? That's, that's great stuff. You know, um, I, I want to remind people something. That, you know, we often talk about the difference between light and dark. Our job is to keep the light on, and we're one day closer. And so every day, so if you're sitting around listening to this and go, well, what do we have to be grateful for? I got something. I got one. How about if you're listening to this program, you're still alive. You, you're one day closer. You, your day, your ticket hasn't been called yet. Right. And so regardless of where you are, you can still call upon the Lord. You, you can still get your act together. You can still be on the right right team. You can still be chosen. You can still choose God. Yeah. Right? Um, and here's what I want folks to realize. We often talk about the light and the dark. You're not going to find Jesus at church. Remember, he didn't come for the for the healthy. He came for the sick. That's what he, right. you know, the disciples were asking him all right. that question. Um, now, yeah, 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 you can find him at church, okay? But that's... That, that my point is it's not just at church though yeah my point is darkness can't be found now listen darkness cannot be found in the light that's right it physically scientifically it's not a possibility right right but light can penetrate into darkness that's right so if you're in a dark place right now right you're depressed You've been suffering depression or alcoholism or loneliness or indecision or one mistake after the other or you're just guilt-ridden. Wherever you are, if you're in a dark place today when you hear this message, I want you to know Jesus is right there. He's the light. He is right there. That's right. You do not have to go to church to find him. You don't have to get right to find him. You don't have to figure any of this out to find him. All you have to do is say, help me. Right. Amen. Help me. Amen. I mean, that's the Franklin Graham story. That's the message of salvation is that and just admit you're in a dark place. You're, you don't have any of the answers. You're very confused. Mm-hmm. You may or may not be a sinner. I, I think you probably are because even I am. I mean, just, just say, God, I, I, I don't get it. I'm totally confused. I've heard this message from my parents, other parents, from other people, yeah. and I just don't get it. I don't understand it. And I'm in a pickle. I'm in a dark place. See me. Hear me. Help me. If you're really out there, touch me. And I got, I got news for you. 
He will. He will. Absolutely. Amen. He will. Yep. The light shone in the darkness, right? Yeah. You can accept it. Yeah. The darkness won't accept the light. That's right. But you can. That's right. You can accept that light, and you would be amazed at the miracles that God will do in your life if you just accept the light. Yeah. Say yes to the light. Say yes. Amen. Say yes and be grateful and thankful that you were given a chance uh, and the time to, to, to get on the wagon or get on the train. It's amazing how how deep a person can be. I've For some reason in my Instagram feeds, there have been testimony after testimony of, of terrorists even, really bad people who did horrible, terrible things, and God is touching them. Oh, yeah. If God can touch them, they can touch you and anybody. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. God will shine his light into the darkness. Hey. Amen. It's going to be a good Thanksgiving. We yeah, want we hope everybody you have a great to uh, have a good time. We want you to take a deep breath and keep the faith. We're going to get in the word more and more. We're going to remember that we're one day closer. We have a job to do until we don't. And the blessings of the land we love are really gifts from you.